<clears throat> this is Forage Plus Academy. Wherever you are, riding your horse, mooching at the stable, picking poo in the field, or sitting down for a quick cuppa, plug in your earphones or hitch up your speakers and get ready to get expert about horse nutrition and management. I'm gonna love you all my life. Hi everyone, this is Sarah. Hope your horsing has been fabulous lately. In this episode, I unpack information on summer horse feeding. When summer arrives, especially here in the UK, we love our horses having more grazing time. However, you still need to consider your feeding during the summer months. In this podcast, Forage Plus Academy discusses a horse supplement approach which starts with the grass your horse will be eating over the summer period and answers the question, what is the best feed for horses when they're in the field? As a horse owner, the best way to support your horse's health is by making sure that the minerals in your horse's diet are enough to support the common deficiencies in spring and summer grass. This can be done by adding in a mineral supplement. Regardless of how well cared for your field is, there will always be low levels of certain minerals, which over time can cause horse nutrition deficiencies. Here at Forage Plus, we're specialists and experts in carrying out scientific forage analysis of all horse forages. That just means we test grass, hay and haylage to look at the nutritional value that your horse will get from that grass, hay and haylage. The analysis tells us that spring grass contains great levels of calories, that's digestible energy, and usually high levels of protein. Vitamin levels too are often extremely good, with vitamin E, a vitamin at very low levels in your winter hay and haylage, being very well supplied through the grass that grows in the spring and summer. These great levels of calories, the good protein, and the better nutritional quality in spring grass will often mean that your horse blooms and puts on extra pounds. That's when horse owners knock the bucket feed on the head. But actually, is that the best course of action? Or does your field-kept horse still need feeding minerals because you still need your field horse to have minerals that are balanced to the deficiencies in the grass? Because that's what the horse is eating. If you think about it logically, the hay and haylage your horse eats is grass. It's just dried. It's preserved. It's a preserved, dried, stalky grass. It makes sense that if dried, preserved grass is not nutritionally balanced, if it's imbalanced, then neither will the spring grass be balanced. It's just got more calories in it. Makes horses look a bit fatter. Makes them look like they're doing well. But the grass is the same grass which will turn into the summer crop of hay or haylage your horse eats in the winter. In general, forage nutrient content, that's protein and digestible energy, is highest during the spring growth when 
that's when it grows fastest. And that's because you get increasing temperature, nice warm days, lengthening daylight hours, and the plants are programmed to want to flower, set seed, and replicate itself. So it grows fast. So for your horse, this means that per mouthful, it's likely that the grass your horse eats, compared to the hay and haylage eaten, will provide more calories because hay and haylage tends to be cut later when the plant is more mature. So in your spring grass and early summer grass, there are greater levels of sugar, starch and higher protein levels. This sadly results in weight gain. The higher sugar and starch levels coupled with the weight gain are why laminitis is so common during the late spring and early summer compared to the colder months of autumn and winter. Mature summer or dormant winter grass has much lower energy, much lower protein content and overall digestibility when compared to the lush, bright green growing spring pasture. It also tends to have lower and more stable, simple sugar levels in the winter. The concentration of some minerals can also be lower. With fast spring growth, magnesium can be a good example of this. This is particularly relevant to the laminitis prone horse because magnesium is so important for metabolic health. The big message is that while spring and summer horse feeding on grass might provide calories in abundance and boost protein levels, it is definitely not more or less balanced from a mineral point of view than any other type of forage. So it doesn't make sense to rely on just calories to maintain optimum health in horses. People often assume a horse is getting everything it needs if its weight is good. Nothing could be further from the truth. And feeding minerals matched to grass, if that's all your horse is eating, is absolutely vital. Calories are easy to come by in spring from the really fast growing grass. What's very hard to come by for a domesticated horse living on a relatively small area is a diverse diet high in minerals that are well balanced. When the majority of the diet is short of certain minerals and has an excess of other key minerals, then optimum health, optimum resilience of the skin, coat condition, hooves, tendons, ligaments, digestion, metabolism and other vital systems may not be maintained. This can lead to a decrease in physical health and poor performance, especially within the performance horse whose needs are greater anyway. Whilst most horse owners know that major minerals in the correct ratios are very important to horses, they're less aware of the way that trace minerals contribute to the maintenance of the health and resilience of body systems. The nutritionally important trace minerals include iron, iodine, copper, zinc, selenium, chromium and manganese. Full-blown life-threatening deficiencies are rare, but inadequate levels of some of these minerals can produce a variety of symptoms which are very familiar to horse owners. Two of the most common symptoms are poor hoof quality, including a predisposition to thrush and bleaching of the coat. 
Many black horses will develop an orange tinge. Bay horses will become dull and pale. And a rich conker-coloured chestnut may fade to a pastel washed-out shade of orange. I see a lot of pastel chestnuts. I used to own one. And then when I started feeding minerals balanced to my grass, I suddenly developed a rich conker-coloured chestnut. I often see these pale pastel chestnuts when I'm out and about, and I wonder, are they deficient in minerals, like my horse was? And would their owners find that they had the most amazing conker-coloured chestnut if they just balanced the minerals to the grass? And then the UV light from the sun would stop bleaching their chestnut's coat. This bleaching of coat colour is due to poor copper reserves affecting the hair shaft and the protection created against the UV light from the sun. Resiliency of the immune system may be affected too. Common dysfunctions include allergies, exaggerated reactions to vaccines or insect bites, and exaggerated inflammatory reactions in general. When copper and zinc are imbalanced with iron and manganese, there can also be an inability to maintain robust tendons, ligaments, and other connective tissues. By being imbalanced, what I mean is that iron and manganese tend to be very high and zinc and copper tend to be very low in the grass, hay and haylage that horses commonly eat, especially here in the UK. Here in North Wales, the levels of manganese in my field were enormous, enormous, and they were blocking the uptake of the very poor levels of zinc and copper. That means that zinc and copper deficiencies are extremely common. On the other hand, iron and manganese are rarely low and usually very high. They worsen the problem with zinc and copper by competing with them for absorption and the zinc and copper is blocked because the iron and manganese is so high. All the analysis we carry out here at Forage Plus on grass and hay and haylage is highly interesting. Iodine's highly variable. Usually it's low unless you're very close to the coast. On the other hand, grass and hay and haylage from alkaline soils usually have adequate selenium. That's particularly true in France, while all the others are borderline to deficient. Selenium is a very interesting mineral. Here in the UK, there's an outcrop at Frodsham where it's known that the selenium in that little tiny area is really high. When you test the grass on the top of the outcrop at a place called Olvenley, the selenium's really high, but elsewhere in Cheshire, the selenium's low. So selenium's really interesting as well because supplementation should be done with care, as high levels of selenium are very toxic to horses. In years where a summer has high temperatures and there's a drought, some forages can become really high in selenium. In general, though, there is usually an insufficiency of selenium in the majority of horse diets. So what we found here is supplementing about one milligram for a horse in maintenance to light work is about right. 
supplementing two milligrams for a horse in moderate to heavy work would be needed. We do see some situations though where the grass or the hay or the haylage that we've tested is really high in selenium, so high that you really don't want to be supplementing anymore. So great care has to be taken when you're talking about selenium. And that's one of the reasons why we actually stock a balancer with no selenium in it at all. So people have the choice to be able to feed all the other minerals, but not actually add to their selenium levels if their selenium levels are high in the grass or the hay or the haylage that we've tested. So what about how you manage your pasture? What about how healthy your grass is? How does that impact minerals? And how can you actually graze horses and manage your field so that it's healthier for your horse in terms of the grass that it's eating? Where horses are constantly grazing on very short pasture and the soil becomes squashed and compacted by their weight, then a horse owners often find it even more difficult to regulate their horse's weight and maintain hoof and skin health. The reasons for this are fairly simple. This type of management of pasture leads to high levels of sugar being produced by the plant because the grass plants are sick and struggling to be healthy. Why is this? Well, the soil becomes compacted, which leads to shallow root depth of the grass and less root structure. This means the grass has less access to minerals from deep within the soil because there is a less dense and prolific root system. It's also shallower. Compaction of the soil also leads to less oxygen and space in the soil structure. And this creates a difficult environment for the right soil organisms to flourish in. The wrong soil organisms mean that the symbiotic relationship between the roots of the plants and the soil microbiome is compromised. And with it, the ability of the plants to use what a beneficial microbiome produces to take up the right nutrients in the right proportions and create a healthy leaf and stem for horses to eat. A track system or pasture area which never gets rest from horses creates massive problems where the health of the soil affects the health of the grass. That in turn affects the health of the horses grazing upon it because the quality of the food is affected and if the food's sick then it stands to reason that over time your horse will become sick. Analysis of grass on these areas will usually reveal high levels of imbalances between both the major and the trace minerals. What I mean by major minerals are calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, sodium and chloride. What I mean by trace minerals are copper, zinc, iron, manganese, iodine and selenium. So where there's an imbalance in food in these major and trace minerals then an imbalance of the body is likely to follow. A better system to reduce these forage mineral imbalances is to mimic the migratory grazing which developed our grasslands in the first place. 
By that, I mean, don't track your horses. Don't overgraze your pasture. Don't strip graze your horses. Try and mimic the migratory pattern of the way that animals moved from one area to another when they were grazing as migrating animals. So what I do now is I have cells of grass and my horses move from one area to another. Once the length of the grass reaches around two inches or I can see their hooves, I move them onto another area which is around six to eight inches long. Grazing in this way creates soil which is not compacted. It creates grass with more leaf structure, more root structure, deeper root structure, and it lowers the sugars in the grass. It creates a situation where you're not stressing the soil and you're not stressing the grass. The food the horse is eating in the form of this grass is also clean. Long grass is clean, short grass is not. And where grass is dirty, iron levels in the horse's diet are likely to be high. And this is not desirable. However, even the best, most carefully managed pasture, like mine, will still never be rich enough in diversity or large enough in geographical size to provide the variety of plants to ensure mineral balance. And believe me, I've tried. My grass has many, many different species in it, but when I analyse it, I still am short of magnesium. I am still short of copper. I'm still short of zinc. And largely, I still need to supplement selenium as well. For you and for me, this means that some form of supplementation will always have to be fed to horses to balance for optimum mineral ratios, even on summer horse grass and summer feeding. Optimum ratios will allow for optimum absorption and optimum health. So just by balancing the minerals in the greatest proportion of your horse's diet, which will be the grass if your horse is out in a field for the summer, it will mean that your horse gets healthier or maintains its health. So horses evolved to roam to select from a variety of plants over huge areas which did not ever, ever get overgrazed like our domestic pastures. Sadly, the reality is that our domestic horses are confined to very small spaces and fed a relatively narrow diet. And this unfortunately creates the need to balance to that very carefully so that optimum health can be supported and maintained. The ideal way to perfectly supplement and balance the horse's diet is definitely by having hay, haylage or grass analysed. This allows for precise management of the ratios between minerals and it's especially important for compromised horses who have a problem maintaining their health. Unfortunately, I know that many of you are not in a situation where you can analyse your grass or your hay or your haylage. And in that situation, then the best option is to use a well-formulated, forage-focused horse feed balancer. This means 
It's a balancer with vitamins and minerals and amino acids in it, which has been carefully matched to the common deficiencies that you would see again and again and again in analysis of grass or analysis of hay. So this data has to be collected from many samples and collated using what's called multivariate analysis. But once your horse is on a forage-focused balancer and a forage-focused system of supplementation, then you can be sure that you're really balancing your summer grass and you've really got a chance at supporting optimum health. So that's all from me now. It's been great speaking to you, but I gotta go out. I gotta go and play with my ponies. Next time, I'll be talking about feeding young horses. What's the best way to feed them? How can you get them to grow well, grow safely, and create the healthiest horse so that you can go out and you can have a long and wonderful time with them. Happy galloping, everybody. Go out and have fun and tell your horse they're awesome. If you have loved this episode, please write a review of this podcast and share it to a horsey friend who you eat, sleep, and breathe horse with. And for more wisdom on horse nutrition and management, visit our websites at forageplus.co.uk and forageplustalk.co.uk.